0: You are listening to World College Radio Day. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Johnny. Hi, I'm Guy. And I'm Will. We're from the band Coldplay, and we support College Radio Day. Hey, this is Sean Lennon, and I support College Radio.
1: Estás escuchando el Día Mundial de la Radio Universitaria. Hey, everybody, this is Grace Potter. Thank you for supporting World College Radio Day. Salut, vous écoutez le jour mondial des radios universitaires. Hi, this is Jeremiah Freights from Lumineers, and I support World College Radio Day.
0: Hi, I'm Alanis Morissette, and I support College Radio, but I won't do your homework. Please don't ask me. And I love college. This is World College Radio Day. Over 600 college radio stations in more than 45 countries will celebrate World College Radio Day on Friday, October 7th. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we welcome the event's founder, Dr. Rob Quick you'd be hard pressed to find someone more passionate about college radio or with more street cred in the space. As one of the students who helped launch the UK's first ever FM college station at Oxford University in the 90s, in addition to 15 years as the general manager of campus station WPSC-FM Brave New Radio in Wayne, New Jersey. Among other things, we talk about why college radio is still relevant and why this year's College Radio Day is dedicated to peace.
1: My name is Dr. Rob Quick. I'm professor of communication at William Patterson University of New Jersey and also um, founder Of College Radio Day, World College Radio Day, and uh, the College Radio Foundation that is based in New Jersey as well. So that's who I am. I grew up as a a young lad in uh, Cambridge, England. My father, one of the things he did, he was chaplain at the university there. And growing up in Cambridge is this magical place. You know, obviously you had the medieval town there, the the city of Cambridge with the university. Over the course of my time living in Cambridge, I would have encounters with you know multiple people, but multiple times I met. Dr. Stephen Hawking in in person. My father actually went to school with Sid Barrett and uh, Roger Waters of Pink Floyd. He remembers being in a class with Sid Barrett, this uh, art class in Cambridge at um, Hills Road Sixth Form College. And Sid Barrett was this sort of creative, mad, sort of freewheeling genius. Even then, that my father realized was very special, and that really summed up Cambridge. Cambridge was a very special place, and I grew up listening to radio. I loved radio. It was something that I would be listening to late at night under the covers uh, when I should be asleep. I'd be listening to the radio, just really enthralled and entranced by the idea that there was someone, you know, in a studio somewhere doing this broadcast talking to me. Uh, in my bedroom late at night when I should be asleep and they didn't really have much radio in terms of in England at that time for young people except in England we had uh, hospital radio. Going up in Cambridge the biggest hospital we had was Anne Brooks Hospital and they had their their own radio station downstairs and and near the morgue or the dead bodies. The first litmus test for getting involved really was can you handle that going down into the depths of this hospital near the morgue, and the darkness and the the smell of the damp cobwebs and the feeling that you were going somewhere that really most people, right-thinking people, wouldn't be found if they really thought about it. They wouldn't be there. But I was so in love with radio that I started there, broadcasting to the patients, who all typically, when we went to get requests, said, we want Roy Orbison or Frank Sinatra. And as a young man, those artists didn't resonate with me. I'm like, you know, rock and roll, but uh, you've got to give the people what they wanted. In this case, the captive audience of the patients who couldn't leave their beds in a pre-internet time. They could only really listen to the radio. But it was a great start. And um, for me, confirmed in my mind why uh, radio is so fundamentally important that uh, on a fundamental level, it's a connection between you and another person, isn't it? Particularly when they can call in later in your career, when they can call in and you can interact with them. There's a feeling that, it's entirely possible at any given moment that you could, uh, maybe even in just a small way, change someone's life or make their life better or, or sort of improve it somehow, even momentarily. And that's what I felt about radio, and still continue to feel about radio. And that continued all the way through my college days. In fact, you know, when I went to college, I went to, to Oxford University, and at that time it was very obvious to to, to us that there wasn't a a college radio scene in the UK like there was in America. And what I was determined to do when I was uh, joined a group of students there who wanted to set up the first FM student radio station in the UK to get an FM license. And we were told that's absolutely not going to happen. There's no way the government is going to allow a bunch of cheeky students to have an FM license. There's no way they're going to do that. But the more that you tell, and I've found this in my own pleasure experience, the more that you tell a bunch of students that they can't do something, the more you just sort of unite them, bring them together to want to do that, you know, regardless of what you're saying. So they won't take no finance, and we didn't take no finance, and... We, we got a lot of people involved in our effort, Oxford Student Radio, a lot of famous people, and the member, Lord Putnam, who did the Chariots of Fire, producer Chariots of Fire, was involved. And then we got the Deputy Prime Minister's wife, Anna Hesseltine she joined our board. And at that point, when you've got the Deputy Prime Minister of the government on board with you, things can change. And so they announced that they would indeed offer a licence for Oxford, but we'd have to compete against all these other commercial stations. And we did, and we won. And so I was in the studio myself and my friend Damien, who's now He's like a professor of journalism, chair of journalism at Oregon State University. We were the first two students. We launched the first ever UK student radio station on FM. It was a moment of history. Now, was it great radio? Probably not. No, we were probably rubbish, uh, dreadful because we didn't know what we were doing really. Uh, More passion than proficiency, but it was incredible. We we'd done something that never been done before, and I'm reminded as we are speaking, Connie, that um, obviously the Queen just passed away recently, and. It was um, after the launch of our station in 1997 that two of the students, the t- students who originally came up with the idea, Nick and Phil, they were invited to go to Buckingham Palace and the Queen and Prince Charles recognized them for the achievement of, of doing something that never been done before, this student radio station. To us, that felt like the ultimate validation like, we were, we were legitimate then, I mean, if the Queen's recognizing this. And that was it for me. That was then I realized I really loved radio and it was ha- I would have to make it my career because it was really sort of remarkable that experience of going on the air and, and communicating and broadcasting. So, yeah, so it's been an interesting story, um, in parts anyway, so far.
0: So how did you end up in the U.S.?
1: So, so basically, um, in the U.K., one of the things that we do the system is that before you go to university, you have this thing called a gap year. And it's not really done in this country, it's not really done in America, that before you go to university, you have a gap year. Some people travel the world, they discover themselves, they go to Asia or something, have these remarkable spiritual sort of spiritual awakenings. Other people work, they, they get a job for the year to raise money because university is expensive. Uh, but either way, the gap year is the, the idea that you, you take a year and you mature yourself. For me, I wanted to go to America and I ended up getting accepted for a year to this college in Missouri called William Jewell College, and they had a college radio station there. I got involved with the college radio station almost immediately, and that's actually, this is why I was one of the few people when I went to Oxford just a year later, who had actually had on-air experience on a radio station because most students at Oxford had never had that opportunity because no professional radio station is gonna allow you on the air, really. So during that time, that one year in Missouri, I was able to meet a woman who would become, obviously my wife, uh, Laurie, then we split up because I went back to England. Long distance relationship pre-internet, you know, very expensive phone calls and letters taking seven days to arrive. You know that that whole thing. She then got accepted to the Oxford Overseas Program, so then she then came for a year uh, at Oxford and was able to hear me on the air there. And then as soon as we graduated, uh, we we got got married. So that's uh, how I'm allowed into America because obviously I'm now new, dual nationality as well. But after Oxford, and I was actually in charge of the um, head of weekday programming, so I was a kid, I was this, you know, 20 year old, uh, not quite sure of what to do with life, but I was suddenly in charge of all the weekday programming of this this, this radio station in Oxford, um, which was a great introduction. After that, I went to my master's in radio at University of London, and of course you don't need any kind of qualification really to do radio. Um, but I wanted to do that. And that's actually really played a pivotal role in what I do today. Didn't know it at the time that that would be so essential. But after that, I went straight in and I was offered the opportunity to, to go to Northamptonshire in the middle of England to be the, the morning show jock on uh, Connect FM. And they said, now I think it's smooth radio. I think it's uh, on, it's well known in the UK, smooth radio. At the time, they, they just, they fired the previous guy and they said, good luck, you know, can you do something with this? And I wasn't there very long, I was there just like a year or so, but we did turn it around and we did great things, but we actually did did so well, my understanding is we attracted the attention of, uh, because we were a small company, small owned radio station, we attracted the attention of a company that owned many stations, and so they said, hey, they're doing really well, let's have that, and so we were acquired, promptly laid off. At that time, it was really bad, because I felt we were doing a great show. And doing a great show is no defense in the industry if there's changes coming. Within six months being laid off, I found myself in India, completely bizarre. And my wife was an editor in in, uh, in London and she was asked to go to India to oversee the operations there in South India and in Chennai. I was looking for a radio job and uh, I had nothing better to do but to go. And suddenly I found myself at a college there, the Asian College of Journalism, which is actually now the sort of preeminent college of ju- journalism college in Asia. They've had lots of people that go to the lecture noam chomsky and the like when i was there they said hey um could you help us set up this uh, radio course this postgraduate diploma in, in radio journalism and and i did that and actually they offered me a position to stay and, and to run it but we missed family and stuff so we came back to london and um still trying to get a job in radio and actually ended up getting a really well-paid job much more than i ever would have made in radio by Switching over to, you know, going to the other side and working in PR, and I got a job at PR Newswire for audio operations manager Europe. It was in central London, but the reality is, um, working in London even now, um, more so than ever, it's a young person's game to the extent that you know, all our energies was going in and our money was going to the effort of working and living in London. And it was, it was great. We, we didn't have any kids at that point and I was able to meet a lot of people. And you learn a lot in those days when you're, when you're quickly working on, every day is a different story, every day you're meeting new people. And it was, it was a, a great education for me in terms of radio production, producing material. But uh, my wife was missing America and also we, we were broke really, because even though it was paid a lot of money, you pay a lot of money for the privilege of working in London. And we thought we, we have to get out. Um, <laughs> and the option was America. And and so I saw this position, having had that experience in India, the educational experience, there was a position at St. Xavier University in Chicago to run their media department, the radio station, BGM general manager and I applied and I got that job. And so suddenly I go from London to chicago and it's very different then i was running the station wxav and i was there for five years and we did really well to turn that station around and then from there i heard about a professorship in new jersey also running the radio station wpse and i arrived in new jersey and i would not say uh that it was a particularly welcoming place and it took some getting used to, but the station was in a really bad place. It was like, well, you've got two years to turn this around. Otherwise, we might just do something with the FM license, give it away. Or... And I was just like, what are you talking about? This is, We are basically part of the number one market here in America, part of the New York market. I saw nothing but potential. I saw nothing but possibility. I threw myself in immediately. The first couple of years were very, very rough. I said, well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to start streaming online. We've got to be heard. And they said, you'll never do that. General managers have tried to get us to stream online since 2007. you never made that happen. I was like, well, surely it can't be. It's not rocket science. Surely we can figure that out. Within a semester, we were streaming online. And then it was the long, hard work of uh, turning a station around, getting students involved, getting buy-in from the students, and really working with the students for them to realise uh, that they can learn how to do radio, and then they can get to a point in their competencies where they can create, they're capable, and this is what I believe, Connie, That Uh, students are capable of producing audio and radio work that can be absolutely remarkable sometimes even even sort of quote unquote better than what professional broadcasters who are paid to do it can produce once in a while not often the students will produce something so remarkable that it breaks through and it really is like this is this is you know, very effective, powerful stuff, And that's what I believe. And and, and so over the course of 15 years, I stepped down last year, 15 years. I'm now full professor, tenured. So, you know, I moved into a new phase of my career. I'm still obviously teaching radio and audio, but we went from a station that was on the verge of being shut down to, a station that we ended up winning two Marconi awards, the last of which was was last year. In my last act as GM, I entered us for Marconi awards, and we won for best college radio station in the country, which, of course, the Marconi is the highest award in radio in in the USA. But awards are nice. Fair enough. That's great. Yes. And that's great to have that. But the real reward is to see the, the students, the generations of students right over the 15 years who've gone on to work in professional media, not necessarily radio, but some of them in radio, but many of them in TV, in other industries, who've really flourished and they will credit their time at the radio station, Brave New Radio, WPSC, um, as being the place where it all began. So really that's my my journey in terms of radio stations. I'm sorry if it sort of bored everyone to death.
0: Do you want to talk about the origins of World College Radio Day? You obviously are going into year 12 now, but how did the event come to be?
1: Well, I was watching. This is going back in two thousand and ten. I watched that film, The Social Network, which is about the founding of Facebook. And I remember just being captivated, and really excited by the idea that you know Facebook came from this idea: of what can we do to bring people together, and how it really sort of grew from there. And I went to bed that night. This is two thousand and ten, December, thinking: what well, if there was something that could bring college radio together? And I woke up the next morning, and it was sort of crystallized there, sort of offered to me on a Played mentally college radio day and i thought well surely that's so obvious it must have been done that must have been done i mean the day that college radio gets together it must have been done and i was googling it and i didn't see it i mean i did find out that you know, some stations regionally maybe tried to come together or within a state that kind of stuff but nothing like trying to bring everyone together and so it grew from there and i sort of put it out there 2011 i remember that year i end up going on howard stern his show because we came up with this very clever walk of the Braven Radio Award, which is really a device to sort of promote our own station, Braven Radio, but to honour people who we said, you know, students thought were Braven Radio. So I ended up going on Howard Stern and being sort of mocked by him. I knew it was, you know, all good, good sort of fun, wanting to talk. To, and I did talk to him about college radio, how important it was. But I remember like, do I mention to Howard Stern on the air? By the way, College Radio Day is coming. Do I mention it there or not? And in the end, I decided not to, because uh, I, I, I I didn't want him to sort of like college radio days. So I didn't want him to like to tear it down. So I didn't mention it. But then after that, we announced it. And I thought, well, let's see whether we can get 50 stations to do it. And the first year we got within three months or something, 360 stations signed up. And at that point, I thought, okay, in a very, very small microscopic way, it was very similar to the Facebook story. in the fact that it went viral to a certain extent and we did get coverage in the washington post uh, usa today new york times saying hey what you know there's it, it a new flashy sort of thing this idea college radio day um and at that time and sort of since once in a while you'll hear of college radio stations being shut down being sold off taken over by religious broadcasters or uh, public radio stations will, will assimilate them and so we heard that and that was sort of a trend and we thought why can't we all come together? And if we did come together, why couldn't we make a stand to so sort of say collectively we're doing a really important thing because we're still very influential, still a tastemaker, still the first place, the first step on a long journey for many students who go into the media or many other fields. Um, and so we felt in setting it up that it was a good thing. And from the very first year, uh, Jamaica said, Can we be a part of this? And Canada said, Can we be a part of this? So at that point, you got the NCRA and of the Cottage Radio Association in Canada, right, that being been part of us ever since year one. Because at that point, we realized, hang on, we've got to talk about doing this on a world level. And I heard from a woman in Italy called Tiziana Cavallo. And- a chap called Guillermo from Colombia who said, "Hey, on behalf of our national associations, can we get involved too?" And so we then agreed that the international version of College Radio Day would be known as World College Radio Day. Really, we've been doing it ever since, and it's really gone now to 1,000 colleges and university radio stations in more than 50 countries have participated in, in six continents around the world. So. It has become a global thing and it has resonated and is a reminder to everyone that college radio is still alive. It's still doing its thing. Rumors of its death have been greatly exaggerated. It is true that we don't perhaps have the influence that we did back in the 80s, you know, the stories of REM and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we were tastemakers then. We're still tastemakers now. We're still the first stepping stone in terms of training and equipping students with their broadcasting skills but we are diminished because of the fragmentation of audience with the internet and all the streaming platforms but I think if college radio were to disappear it would be kind of de- devastating for the professional media industry because we, we are the place where many you know much talent comes from it originates here it's where people realize yes. that we do this so that sort of gives you a flavor of how it started and what our mission is.
0: Yeah, I got my start in college radio. With the digital shift happening in consumer behavior, is there any data on how college radio is faring among all the other choices out there?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, you, obviously, a lot of our information is sort of anecdotal. We can tell you from our engagement with social media how college radio is still meeting. Its, its audience and providing something to an audience. But, you know, it, it is difficult. We don't have the, like, for example, my own station, we wanted to have the money to pay to, to, to be able to find out what our rate, ratings are. Um, and we don't have the money to do that. But I can tell you this, and this is maybe your listeners would say, this is a cop-out, that, that college radio, you see, not many academic studies have been done on the impact and importance of college radio, but the ones that have been done, I think, are very interesting. And uh, a woman called Holly Wag in 2004 did a study about the way in which college radio uh, impacts those who do it. And it said that in terms of them helping form self-identity and stuff. And they said that, yes, it provides the service to an audience is creating, is providing content that you're not gonna hear anywhere else. I still believe that. That college radio mustn't be commercially viable. College radio is not designed to be mainstream because it mustn't have the pressures of having to maintain that audience. It must be free and wild and crazy and adventurous and risk-taking. But Hollywag found that even with an audience of one, or two people, the practice, the the actual doing of college radio, doing a college radio show is so transformative for the students who do it. It helps them find their voice. It's such a remarkable life-changing experience that it doesn't matter whether they have an audience or not. Now, I know some people say, well, hang on, what are you saying? That college radio doesn't have an audience? Well, of course it has an audience and it always will have an audience. It's just never gonna be able to compete and it's not designed to compete with mainstream commercial or larger public radio entities. It's not designed, but I would argue that because we sort of exist on the periphery, the edges, we're not on the, in the mainstream, we're sort of out there on the edges in a way, very sort of alternative content. It is college radio, uh, where you will find ideas and programming content and voices and communities that perhaps won't get a, um, an outlet anywhere else. And that's why it's important to keep it going, even though people say, well, who still listens to college radio? People do listen to college radio. It's where many bands still get their first exposure and they, you know, they, they get a break. So college radio has its function and people say to me all the time, "Yeah, but college radio, it's, it's full of dead air. There's mistakes. It's so unprofessional. And I say, yes, it is. And that's the beauty of it. I love the fact that it is a place where students are learning as they go. And I love the fact that it is not so professionalized and so polished and so perfect that somehow the uniqueness and its humanity has been erased or squeezed out. College radio can be scruffy and rough around the edges. It can be a little bit shambolic. It can be something that's like almost teetering on the edge of catastrophe sometimes. And that is why it's so beautiful, because there's a authenticity, a rawness, the sheer passion exuded by the students who do it is undeniable at this stage in their careers, even if they never many of them will never do radio again in their lives. So wouldn't you want them, wouldn't we want them to be themselves and to be able to express themselves freely? And that's what college radio is. And and that's my my own personal take, and I am writing a book about this right now, is that I prioritize expression and authentic communication over technical proficiency. Is that I think students should begin with working on how they express themselves and not worry about all the technical stuff because that can be very, very intimidating. The result is that sometimes you'll get programs and content that students create that is transformative and life-changing for both the student and the listener. More often, you'll just have fun shows and the students will say, hey, listen to this music, it changed my life, and they will genuinely mean that. How many times do you hear brokers say, listen to this, it changed my life? Well, when a student says that, they mean it because they are at a stage in life where music is a currency, of self-identity. It's very, very important for them what they listen to. It tells people who they are.
0: There are a lot of artists who've taken part in your imaging for World College Radio Day this year. You sort of touched on this, but can you tell me about where college radio falls now in that indie and local artist ecosystem within our on-demand audio universe?
1: I feel college radio is the best place for any artist, particularly indie artists, you know, artists who are starting out it's the best place to start, and I do feel that College Radio does the hard work of discovering true talent, and we will give it exposure to the extent that once it starts to get traction, then suddenly commercial radio says, hey, thanks, good work, we'll we'll step in and we'll take you from here, thank you, and just take it away from us. We feel like that's happened many, many times. College Radio is to be used to get that traction for, for artists, and also... It's a place where many of them have their first experience of live performance as well. So I remember, this is a true story, that um, a few years ago, back in 2010, I think, we had a band, an artist a group come into our radio station. And I was one of five people in the audience. I thought this band is really good. Uh, the next time I saw that band, I was one of 70,000 people in MetLife Stadium. And that band was uh, the Lumineers. And once in a while, College Radio would do that we'll find bands, we'll champion them, we'll discover them. And we can also, we have an intense interest, College Radio, of getting the stories from bands. You know, tell us about how these songs are written, tell us about your life story. is so That we can go to places and we can ask questions that perhaps other forms of media don't particularly care about and they just want the songs. So we still are great curators of music CMJ is now gone, although there are rumors that it's sort of coming back. But CMJ for many years um, was the main sort of outlet to sort of tell people what college radio was doing when it came to music, and they they folded a few years ago. You've got the NACC chart, though, I think, which is continuing that tradition. So college radio is still influential, it's still a great place for the bands and artists to hone their craft and to sort of get that exposure. But it's difficult to compete because you do have all the streaming services and you do have all these other outlets, but we're still doing that. Our mission in that respect is still fundamentally unchanged.
0: Does this year's event have a theme? Last year, Weird Al Yankovic was your official ambassador for College Radio Day. It's hard to top Weird Al, Rob.
1: (laughs) Um, The thing about Weird Al is that he is actually, um, when you interview him, He's very funny and he's humorous and all that, but he he's quite serious about and giving credit and good for him for doing that. Thank you for him uh, to him for doing that. Give him real credit for how college radio, absolutely really gave him his start working with Dr. Demento. Really, you know, again, it was a laboratory. College Radio is basically a place where you can experiment and it was a great place for him. So he was great in giving us his time. And we've had a lot of people over the past. I mean, we've had uh, Joan Jett and we've had uh, in the past, we had Coldplay and various other ambassadors. And how do we top that? Well, uh, we, we do have an ambassador this year, who I think uh, would, would certainly equal, if not top that, that I think is very important. Because the theme this year is Voices for people and back in uh, February when Ukraine was was invaded by Russia one of the first things I realized was well hang on it on the student radio stations in, in in Ukraine and I reached out and I managed to get in contact with a couple of them um, and one was called student radio and I said listen um, is there any college radio stations who want to send a message of greeting and support for the students of and um, people of Ukraine send the audio to me. Within 24 hours we had 50 stations. I put that together, I sent it to the stations, two stations in Ukraine, and Stud Radio got back and they said thank you so much, this 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 means the world to us. We don't know how long we're going to be able to continue. At that point we really thought that Ukraine could possibly, the entirety of Ukraine would fall within days. We didn't know what was going to happen. We thought the Kiev was going to be invaded and everything would go. What amazed me was, um, and as he was very emotional, um, the radio had students that participated from across Ukraine. And in bomb shelters, in their homes, the students with their cell phones were able to put together messages. Hi, I'm from Lviv and I need your help. Whenever you are, I love my city, my country, and will never give it away to anyone. I beg you, support Ukrainians, get out on the streets and don't be afraid to say the truth out loud together we will stop this horror hello i'm from kiev and i want you to know truth our cities are under fire of russian occupants and i'm worried about my family support our country you never know when the war will be near your home
0: i'm from Chernobyl, and my brave free country is dying so i ask you please if you see that your government doesn't do enough or just nothing act, go to the rallies, if you can, donate money, spread the real information, just don't be silent, because each of us is kid of the world, and we need your help.
1: My name is Zvenka, I am a sophomore sociology student, and because of war I cannot attend
0: classes anymore. Stop Russian aggression.
1: Hello, I live and study in Kharkiv, but actually I'm from Donetsk. So I know that actual war started not several days ago, but 8 years ago, in 2014. And it's not scaring anymore, I'm not panicking, all I have left is attempt to help my country to get out of this Russian oppression. Hi, I'm from Primorsk, and I just want to wish peace and prosperity to my country and its citizens. I want people to live peacefully. When we heard those voices, some of them as young as 16, I played that in my classes at the university. It was... Actually, students were crying, but I think the reason why it resonated with the students was these were people the same age as them who were literally uh, being bombed and, and under they could lose their life. So that resonated. It became very real for them. So this year, the theme is Voices for Peace. So for this year, our ambassador is going to be someone who um, is synonymous with the whole theme of peace. We're actually going to be announcing this on the 26th. September. We can't announce it before then, but we we do believe the ambassador this year is going to be someone who will speak very profoundly to this issue um, and has done great work promoting peace um, around the world. And I can't say any more than that at this stage. But I would say that um, one of the things we are doing, uh, which is unprecedented, never been done before. and. I think there's value to doing this. A gesture is important symbolically. I think this is important that we're trying to do something that has never been done before in the college radio world, which is get as many college radio stations and college radio organizations as possible to sign on to a declaration supporting peace by Student Radio Worldwide. And it is a declaration we're going to be putting out on College Radio Day saying that we support peace. We, we basically, feel that people should live without the fear of armed conflict, without the fear of being invaded and uh, the threat of losing their lives, and that we believe in peace for everyone, and that we believe that college radio is important in promoting peace, and is an outlet for all voices, for more communities, uh, for more people. So we are going to be doing this declaration, never been done before, and actually we're, we're bringing together stations and countries that have never worked, and this is a good thing to collaborate on i mean it is just a statement a declaration but symbolically it's important uh, that you make a stand and you you show where you are on this i mean it's a very serious theme isn't it and obviously it's very idealistic to a certain extent to think that you know global peace but you have to stand for something and, and college radio does stand for this and um we do live in a world that's very tumultuous what right now and so The students wanted, and this was, I think, really primarily because of what happened and what's going on in Ukraine, and the fact that we have been communicating with them now for for, for weeks. We weren't in touch with them, we thought we we were lost, we we thought they were gone, and we didn't know how to get hold of them. But the global mouth in this year that we do, we do 24 hours around the world. Typically, we go from country to country to country to country. It's taken months for us to get to the position where we were in touch with student radio in Ukraine, and they said, Rob, because we want them we want the Global World College Ready Day Marathon to start in Ukraine. And they said, we just don't know because all our students are in different circumstances. Well, they they committed to to doing it. And I mean, it's not in the can or it's not done until it's done, right? But right now we have every belief and intention that the Global Marathon will start in Ukraine from student radio, from the students in Ukraine, which I think will be very important. So yeah, it's a serious issue this year, but we, we live in serious times, right?
0: So, how many stations are signed on around the world, and can you talk about some of the programming that they have planned for October seventh?
1: Yeah, the number is always going to be changing up, even to the day. But we, are, I mean, I think we're going to have over six hundred stations participating in forty-five countries, maybe more. Actually, maybe fifty. But it's going to change. Many countries and stations around the world are going to be putting together programming about the theme Voices for Peace. So they're going to be interviewing uh, local charities, local organizations or national figures. They're going to, I think in Canada, Barry Rook, who's very involved with the NCRA and Rick in in um, Canada, is uh, uniting stations throughout Canada to do something. I think, I think they've got a special broadcast planned. So everyone is using this as an opportunity to get their leaders, their country's leaders, to get on record and to state that they support peace and they support college radio as an outlet for peace for free expression of ideas and for you know being a tool of democracy and that's the joy of the event that different countries in their own cultures will be recognizing and celebrating this theme in the way that they want to do And that includes obviously doing a lot of interviews with people but also getting musicians and getting artists to come on the record as well i think it's going to be an important year I, I again it, it, idealistic to a certain extent to say we want world peace but i think you have to want that and you have to have goals and aims like that and and you should never stop striving for that really that should be the end goal even if it might be impossible we should always be trying our best to do that and that's the other thing to sort of one of the reasons why i love working in college radio connie is that the passion of these students i'm getting older now i'm almost 50 but it's their passion it's their unbridled enthusiasm that keeps me alive and that sounds really melodramatic to say that but i mean it they 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 keep me going they give me hope their enthusiasm the fact that they will when they are excited and motivated to 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 do something they will do an all-nighter they pull an all-nighter because at this age, it's everything to them. They've not been jaded by life. They've not gone through the process of getting older and having their dreams and hopes pulverized from them. They are living in the moment and they want to make a difference. And who are we to say no? Who are we to say doesn't matter?" or you can't do this, you can't do that?" I say to them, "Go for it, no guts, no glory." And their enthusiasm, their sheer passion, keeps me feeling young even though i'm <laughs> not physically young but you get my idea
0: absolutely the past few years you've run a 24-hour live stream as part of world college radio day where can people listen
1: to that so this year it's going to be hosted by live 365 so it will be on the live 365 platform and they donate all the resources and the thousands of um, or hundreds of uh, staffing hours to make that happen and the bandwidth. But it's going to be collegeradio.org is where you can, there's going to be a direct link on the front page of collegeradio.org. Uh, we we feel as if we're going to broadcast it and then we're going to have it on loop so people who, who perhaps missed it can, can listen to it. You're not going to hear anything like this anywhere else. It's going to go from country to country to country. And it's quite the remarkable listening experience to hear, you know, to go from Sweden to Australia to Costa Rica to spain to italy to canada to you know scotland you know so it's a great reminder and and i say to the students as well when they're doing college radio day when each of the students are doing college radio day they only ever see it from their one station you only ever see it from your perspective it's very very difficult for any of the stations participating to grasp a sense of what's going on here and what's going on is that you've got hundreds of stations on that day around the world coming together doing this celebration of of the unique medium of college radio. But using that moment to not just raise the profile of college radio as a medium itself, but to obviously talk about and discuss the theme of the year and to raise an issue that we think is really, really important. It's very hard for a student to get their head around that. We've got a a CRD USA board, and they're from different stations across the country. And just through that board when we have our weekly meetings, they're like, this is so cool. That there are other people my age who are in college radio and we get to work with them and that spirit of collaboration is, is really 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 exciting college org is where the you, on the day itself you'll see a button right on the front that you can listen to the live stream and it will be probably hopefully on rotation so if you miss it because I for one have never heard an, a complete 24 hours because at some point you have to sleep and so I wake up and I say, man, Ghana was on the first time Africa was on and they were brilliant or you just missed Ireland. It was brilliant. Or I'm like, well, I have to sleep. No offense. The only people who don't sleep, it occurs to me, are the students. So the students are up, uh, fueled by various sugary substances. But for me, it's just this glorious, life affirming celebration of college radio. But let's just be a little bit broader than that. It's a great radio moment as well.
0: Is there a thought you want to close on, Rob?
1: I would urge people who perhaps have maybe dismissed student, you know, college radio as as not being a place where good ideas can come from or perhaps not being worth checking out or listening to. I would ask you to reconsider and I would say a good a day as any to to start that process, to give it a try, is on October seventh, which is World College Radio Day. If you could listen in to your local quad radio station on that day, do so, and 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 listen to what they're doing. It might surprise you, you know, what you hear in a good way, and you might be sort of re-energized by their passion. You might realize these kids are doing it for the right reasons. They love it, and. And uh, that, can, that kind of energy, that positive energy is something that you can take away from the experience for yourself.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Rob.
1: Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your interest. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. I've been listening to all your other podcasts. And I thought, good grief, I really better be prepared here because this is a fantastic podcast. All the people that you talk to. So thank you for um, even thinking of, of us and, and, and the invitation.